Money Mind, expanding your mind when it comes to money matters. Here's your host, Tanya Carlson from Amplify Wealth Management. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we've got a wonderful guest who's come along to see us, Kathy Goodwin. Now, Kathy is an experienced business owner. She's a hiking and camping enthusiast. She's a catering equipment efficiency advisor, and I think we, we need to talk about that title because that's um, an interesting one. She's got a drive to reduce wastage in the catering industry, not just the food itself, but the equipment too. Using her skills and knowledge, Kathy helps you ensure your longevity for equipment lifecycle reduction in neglected equipment and repurposing of obsolete items. Uh, she's a family-focused person who's passionate about helping others and finding their path in life and business. And one of the things um, I really admire about Kathy is the fact that she truly dedicates her life to helping her family and others. And, and I want to um, share some of that with you today, which is why I invited you in. So thanks for coming, Kathy. Thanks, Tanya. Now, Kathy. Um, came into our office actually. So she is is a client of Amplify Wealth, but um, everybody's got an interesting story. And when I met you, you were still employed and uh, you have three children, two grown up and, and independent and, and one still living with you, which is which is great. And you're a single mum, so you, you're doing a lot on your own. And we all know that that's a juggle uh, for most people in itself. But tell me what happened when you were made redundant or give me a little bit of a history, I guess, on your career and, and where it's taken you. Tanya, when I first met you, I had been in my job for 17 years. I was feeling very comfortable. Yeah. I actually think you might have said to me or suggested to me what would happen if you didn't have this job. God. And I said, I'll have this job forever. <laughs> And then I think it might have been nine months later when I was made redundant. Wow. And I was shocked. I was... I couldn't believe it. I felt disappointed that I didn't have that security anymore and I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. And a good friend suggested to me that I was good at helping people, yes. so why not start my own business helping people in what I know best and that's catering equipment. And what does that mean, helping people with catering equipment? Because that's that's an, obviously a very niche sort of area, but what's involved with that? It's very niche because most consultants come in and design the kitchen for them. They show them what equipment they need. What I do is I work with the client to find what they need. Right. I liken it to a GP. Mm. You go to a GP, the GP doesn't know everything about what's going on in your health. They, yeah. They're not specialists in knees or elbows or eyes, yeah. but they generalise and find which specialist you need to see. Right. So I go to my clients, we assess what they need, look at their menu, find out what their premises are going to be like and what their budget is, yeah. and then we marry that up with the best supplier of equipment and the best types of equipment. Right. Interesting. And I guess that's really valuable for people because otherwise they've got to spend the time researching where to go. Or, and that's we're all time poor, right? So I, I figure that's uh, the strength of you coming in and saying, well, I can connect you with these people. Correct. Yeah. And I have a vast network in the food service industry. So mm -hmm. I try to match up the people with the right supplier because we're all different. We yeah, all have different right. needs. So, so do you do you even do that literally on a personality basis? As in, you know, Fred and John can both supply you refrigeration, but you're going to get on better with Fred or, or how does that work? Yes, that's actually <laughs> true. There are some people that I would say I'm never putting them in a room together. Right, yeah. And that's life. Of course. We're all different. Yeah. We all have to have people that we get on with, that yeah. we connect with, that we click with. Yeah. 
And that helps us in business when we do connect or click with somebody because there's trust. Trust yeah, is right. really important. It is. It's it's fundamentally, I guess, as humans, what we, we all sort of want to connect with, don't we? And so how do your... How, how do people connect with you? How do you do you network? What what happens in the catering industry? I consider myself an expert networker, Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> I love networking. Do you? You must be the me. only person on the planet that loves networking. <laughs> because I don't think of it as networking for business. No. I think of it as networking for people. I just, I love people. I love being around people. Yeah. I really enjoy socialising and talking and hearing about what other people's experiences are. Yeah. When you start to understand people on that level, helping them isn't that difficult. And so that connection really drives you um, connecting people to people that are going to help them and and that's obviously where you get your satisfaction. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And can people engage with your business on a project basis or is it ongoing? Do you come back and see people on a regular basis? I have a variety of different models that I work with. Yeah. I haven't advertised my business in the two and a half years now. Yeah. Everything's come through recommendations. Yeah. I get to a point at the end of the month and I say, oh, my God, what am I going to do next month? And then the phone rings. Amazing. Without fail, someone will phone and say, oh, I've got someone that needs some help. Yes. So I have customers that I work with on an ongoing basis. Yeah. They outsource me to look after procurement of their equipment and then the delivery and the maintenance of it and then I have other clients where I'll come in just on a project basis for getting them set up in the first place once they're set up I'm done you don't don't need anymore which is fine they know where to find you if they need you again yes and look one of the reasons I I wanted you to come in today is and, and something I admire greatly about you is that um I remember when we we first sat down together and, in fact, we were working on a financial plan because you felt that you were comfortable and in a stable position and starting to, to, you know, work on how could you get to retirement one day, et cetera, which is always a challenge for a lot of people. And given you had such a, a... not a catastrophic event, that's too strong a word, but I guess such a significant change in your life by being made redundant, um, rather than fall in a heap, and you might have done this at one point in time you certainly didn't share that part with me but rather than fall in a heap you turned yourself around and reinvented yourself very madonna-esque um in in a way but did you feel that you had always wanted to have your own business did you feel you had no choice what what drove you to that decision i like being fluid i guess is the right word Mm. i don't function very well if I have to turn up somewhere at a certain time every day. Okay. I'm kind of a creative person. So the job I had for those 18 years was not a desk-bound job. It was a job where I went out, I worked with my clients, I was in the field. Yeah. When you're in the field, it's it's exhilarating, really. It's it's the way I like to live my life. Okay. Back to the camping. Yes. And I felt that getting a job and being responsible and answerable to an employer was not going to suit my personality. I needed to find something that I could do, that I could grow, Mm. I could help people, and I could still achieve my needs and fulfil my needs, which were identified because I did have that breakdown. There was no doubt about that. I was crushed. Yeah, okay. And 
how did you, you know, so for want of a better word, I often sort of liken that to what we might call a rock bottom. So you hit that rock bottom, you fall in a little bit of a heap, you sort of think, what am I going to do next? I've got mouths to feed. I've had stability all my life. I'm just finally financially getting on my feet and making real progress and I've got to now do something else. What helped you through that, working through that? Friends. Yeah. Without doubt. Yep. We had a little road trip because I had three months of just broken. It yeah. wasn't going to work. And one of my friends said, have you ever thought of seeing a psychologist? Right. I went, no, <laughs> probably I should. <laughs> and uh, from that I went and saw my GP and my GP said, there's nothing wrong with you. You're strong. You're yeah. this, you're that. And I said, I don't feel very strong. Yeah. So she did a mental health care plan assessment and worked out the era I was suffering from anxiety yeah. and I needed help. Yep. So off we went. Great. And I think it's something we don't talk about enough or we don't admit to. It's very much still lingered in society with a bit of shame or, or behind the scenes. But I think it's really important that we share our stories with people because our listeners may be going through something similar. And what we want is to help people feel inspired into action. And that action can be any form, whether it's financial health, wealth, uh, wellness, uh, whatever it is, um, or reaching out and connecting with people so that you're you're getting what you need. So how did that help you, I guess, have the courage then to take those next steps? The answer to that's very complicated, obviously. Okay, of course. But what I would say is that my first step into the door with the psychologist was terrifying. Yeah. I did not want to have the stigma of having mental illness and all these other things. Mm -hmm. And I walked in and I met with her and the first thing I said to her is, what happens if we see each other in the shops? (laughs) And she she looked at me and she said, we say hello. (laughs) You really are crazy. (laughs) And then um, after a couple of visits with her, she diagnosed me and she diagnosed me with complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, my goodness. And CPTSD is very, very, uh, it's complex. It's called complex for good reason. And I have, I shake, I have tremors. And people ask me, why do you shake? I'm like, I didn't know. Now I know it's because of complex post-traumatic stress disorder. I shake. So I have anxiety. I have all these other things. And what's happened by seeing my psychologist regularly for two and a half years, she helps me identify, catch, understand and not feel embarrassed that I can't help what happened to me and my physiological responses to to triggers or or whatever. So it's learning to understand them and work with them, not against them. Don't fight them, work with them. And it's been very, very, very helpful for me. Wow, that's fascinating. Well, thank you for sharing because I know that's quite personal and, and, you know, we're not meaning to go down that path. But um, I think... The, the other thing I wanted to share about you is that just when business was starting to really pick up and you were really sort of hitting your stride and certainly making a name for yourself, I know I saw you very active on LinkedIn and, and when we touched base at times. And, and just for our listeners to understand, at, at the time that Cathy was made redundant, we decided not to work together on an ongoing basis due to cash flow. And that was a really sensible decision because we, we didn't really know where your money was going to be coming in and how quickly it would take for your business to take off and where things were going next. So we weren't in active contact, but from from an outsider looking in, it looked like you were doing all the right things and moving in the right direction. I think when we touched in with you, things were going well. And then we had this really 
out of the blue scenario called COVID-19 and that really hit uh, the, the catering and hospitality industry with a blow probably bigger than to, to, to almost any other profession other than maybe healthcare. Tell me how that felt for you. What happened at that time? Well, I was completely unsure of what would happen. We're never sure of what's going to happen in the future. Absolutely. No one has a crystal ball. No. What I did do, though, was I kept in touch with everybody in the industry actively. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn and Facebook were very good vehicles for me to keep in touch with people. Yeah. Zoom meetings. My clients basically stopped all activity, so there was no money being spent with me. Yes. I needed to work out how I could qualify for JobKeeper. Right. That was another thing that happened because yep. JobKeeper, new businesses, I didn't have any history. So it was very complex getting that support. Yeah. And That's the value of a good accountant. It, exactly. Yeah. That's the one thing that we probably didn't touch on. What I did do when I went out on my own was I surrounded myself with experts. Yeah. I don't know everything, but I definitely engaged people to help me and I got a lot of support from outsourcing. Really good uh, tip, actually, because you can't do it all. You can't be all things to all people. You've got to outsource the parts that you don't know. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know, though. (laughs) You never know (laughs) who do I go to. That's That's right. So I I networked to get help and support throughout that whole first three months. Great. What I did do, though, was I worked a lot to help my clients understand what they needed to do Mm. to protect their equipment because if you're shutting down, you need to know what to do. Mm. So I wrote some articles on closing your business down so that it was ready for when you want to reopen. Uh We worked with clients on takeaway and getting the right equipment so that they could do the home deliveries. A lot of restaurants weren't prepared or geared up to do the home delivery. Of course. So they needed to work out how they were going to structure their kitchens to be able to prepare and and have the foods um, stored until it was picked up by the drivers. So there's a lot of that going on. And also uh, in our industry we had a company called Silver Chef started a concept, I guess, called Safe Hospitality. And from that I kind of thought, well, that's not really going to help too many people except the actual business owner. Right, and I have a friend who doesn't um, hasn't been doing so well. Yeah, and rang me up and said, "I'm hungry." And I went, oh, "Wow, wow, wow!" And I thought, "How can I help? I don't have any money. How yeah. can I help?" <laughs> so I rang a friend who owns a QSR business, and I said, "I've got a friend who needs a meal. Wow. Can we buy him a meal forward?" Wow, and he went in, he said yes, of course, he thought it was a great yes, idea, yes. yada, 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 he was very excited about it. Mm. And it triggered in me an idea, how could we buy food forward but helping small business, mm. helping someone in need, paid for by someone who has. Yes. COVID created a great gap. There was plenty of people earning lots of money That's they couldn't right. spend their money yes. because they couldn't do their overseas holidays. And then there was all these people in travel, tourism, Destitute. hospitality that were suddenly no income. Yes. So our gap got bigger and I'm thinking, oh, the people that can afford the Uber Eats delivery every day because yeah. they have nothing else to spend their money on, what if they could buy a meal forward? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, what about if they could buy a haircut forward? What if yeah. they could buy some shoes forward? What if they could buy? So I conceptualised a thing called BFF for change. Yes. And I've been working on that since March last year. 
So, and, and I've known about this and, and it's, again, something that I, I think is just incredibly admirable. I know you saw a need, but also at a time when you were um, in a very difficult stage, you've gone and committed yourself in, to helping others. So, again, it just shows how generous you are from from inside and out to, to all those who come in touch with you, which is such an admirable quality that you can constantly put others ahead of yourself when, when possibly at that time you also needed help, as you mentioned. You, you were possibly hungry too. Um, tell me a little bit about BFF for Change because I think this is a fascinating charity idea. Thanks, Tanya. And you know how much I love all that attention. I don't. <laughs> it embarrasses Just me, but bring thank out, you so bring much for um, that wonderful compliment. I appreciate it. So BFF for Change is not yet a registered charity. We're working on that. We're okay. very, very close. I've got a team of people that have come in as volunteers to help me, experts in their field. Great. I've been recruiting since October last year, so uh, we've got a really good team now. Fantastic. And BFF for Change stands for Buy Food Forward, Buy Fun Forward, Buy Fitness Forward, Buy Fashion Forward. It's primarily there to help people who have found themselves in hardship through no fault of their own. Mm -hmm. It's to help charities, help those people in need, and at the same time helping small business. Yeah. Small business have been hit hard through COVID as well. So there's so many people that need help. Recently, when they issued the New South Wales Government gave the Dine and Discover vouchers out, yes. It's so similar to what I conceptualised all yeah. that time ago. Yeah. I'm so grateful that they've done that because now it's made people aware of the way that you can claim a voucher digitally. Yes. I've worked with a software company to build the software. So we're all ready to go now. We've got one more step and that will be getting our ACNC application in and then charity status. Fantastic. And then register with the the ATO for our DGR status, which yeah. is your deductible gift recipient. Great. So when someone donates, they can claim back. Claim a tax deduction, yeah. Yeah. And we now are just in the stage where seed funding will help us to pay for the software to get everything up and running. Yeah. And I'm confident this is something that will help so many people. Absolutely, and yeah. The thing with charities is we donate $100. Yeah. Of that $100, there's all this admin okay. that has to come out of it. Yeah. What I'm trying to achieve or what I will achieve, I'm yes, not trying to, no, what no, I will yes, achieve will. Yes. is we're going to flip that yeah. so that 100% of the donation goes to benefit the recipient. Now, this is services. what I really like about your char your charity. So I'd like to, you to go back a little bit and we'll, we'll get to a few other points in a minute, but I'd like to just go back and explain fundamentally how it works. So if, if I need a meal, I'm going to come to BFF for Change on, on some sort of uh, website or, or app or, or what, however it's going to work or whatever way I've heard about you and say I need a meal and I've also got a job interview next week and I really need a haircut and, and possibly a new outfit, how could you help me? That's a really good example, so yeah, okay. thank you for that. You obviously <laughs> get it. You would go to the BFF website or you would go to your local charity. If you don't know about the BFF website, mm -hmm. if you're someone in need, yeah. you will be able to get your haircut and your meal yeah. through a voucher system paid for by the donation of someone very generous. Yes. If I'm the person donating, yeah. I can choose a BFF member, which could be a hairdressing salon locally. It could be um, the cafe down the street. Yeah. So the businesses will be members of BFF. Yes. There will be vouchers. It'll be like those Diamond Discover sure. vouchers. Yeah. 
the person goes to the charity, they're issued the credit on their app as a recipient, they ring up the hairdresser, make the appointment, Right. they'll tap like yep. you do with your diner to sell a voucher. The business will be paid for the service. amount of the service that they've just provided yes. to the recipient, less a commission. Fantastic. So the business, normally small businesses are asked to give, to give constantly, yes. sponsor, donate, yes. give vouchers, all of these things. Yes. That's taking off their bottom line. This way they're actually going to get some return for their investment but they're still giving back. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I think that's the key message here is you can give and still receive and, and that's a lot of people are very terrible at, at, at wanting to give because they fundamentally think, well, what's in it for me or I've given too much last month and so no more, you know. So this is a way that people can continue to be actively involved, help others. There's a little bit of, I think, also um, maybe accidentally or, or on purpose, some removal of stigma and shame around I'm in an unfortunate position it's not reflective of who I am so I can go in and tap like, like everybody is at the moment with their vouchers I haven't worked out how to download them yet. Um, that's my my technology is my challenge but um, you know if I needed to certainly obviously I'd work that out or have someone help me but I'm I can go in just like anybody else and use my voucher and not feel that I'm not paying for a service or you know I would be frightened personally to go and ask for a haircut but I need one so I love that you're able to look at it from every angle every single person here wins absolutely the person that needs the help the helpers in terms of people donating um I would imagine that would the businesses that may offer those services donate or are other people able to donate as well that's a really good question I'll go back a step you said about the the feelings of taking charity mm. The first tagline that came to my mind was charity with dignity. Yeah, okay. Giving people mental and physical nourishment with dignity. Yeah. Because haircuts, making yourself feel good, being healthy inside, yes. eating nourishment, yes. all of these things help us to become our best person Absolutely. that we can. Yeah. So with that, could you repeat the question? Because I've just got myself <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I guess what it was was, um, you know, you were taking you were you were taking responsibility or taking that approach of making sure that the people felt positive in terms of asking for help. That's right. Yeah. And the people donating, you ask yes, about the business, how right. can they donate? Okay. Yes, anyway, back on track. Yeah. <laughs> the, the businesses can actually donate and choose their own business for their donation to be spent in. Wow, clever. Greedy. It is very clever. <laughs> it's not greedy at all because if I want to donate $1,000 to a charity, okay. I can donate my $1,000 and get and it stops. Yes. It's money in a cup. Never, I'm, yeah. I'm helping somebody. Somebody, but, yeah. Whereas if I donate it and pick my business yeah. to be spent in my business, okay. I will then be still being paid for the service and from doing the charity the and giving money back at the right. same time. So we're, we're moving money sustainably. Yeah. yeah. And sustainability is what we have to consider in everything we're doing. Absolutely. It's, it's a real key theme. It is. Yeah. Money. And people look at money or think of money in a dirty sense, they don't like talking about it, yes. you know, we get embarrassed about it. That's right, yeah. Why? Well, why do you think that is actually? 
I think because people have a stigma about wealth. Mm, interesting. And so do you, feel, do you feel that wealth is it being wealthy is a dirty word? No. I think being wealthy and being greedy is a dirty okay, word. Okay, so greed. So people are assuming that being wealthy means you're greedy. Sometimes people might think mm, that. And interesting. I think there are people that have money and then they're afraid to lose it, so it's fear of loss. Yeah, well, fear is a big driver for humans. And, in fact, we, we're actually ten times more and I'm making these numbers up, actually. I shouldn't do that. But um, smarter people than me can confirm the numbers. But we're 10 times more driven by fear than we are um, greed. So we're more risk adverse than we are driven to be greedy. So we're, we're more frightened to lose something than we are to gain from it. Hence why people may not be so giving in charities. And you're flipping that on the head by saying, well, you can give and receive in the same Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. And you never know when you're going to need something. Well, I think that's a really important um, sort of segue because COVID-19 taught us all that we we just don't know what's around the corner um, and that our lives can change in an instant. And, And some of us have had various experiences in life that have taught us that previously but this was something that collectively we all experienced as a planet which I think was was really impactful for people and has driven a lot of talk about things like sustainability um, shopping local all these things that you you hear people talking about more but I I think what your charity is doing and and your thought process in how you formed this has been driven by seeing a need but you've also flipped it on its head by saying well what's holding back people from giving and I know and we're getting to this point that I'd like to make that you are in need of corporate sponsors to help you fund the initial stages or possibly the ongoing stages of this charity. I I guess there's people out there that regularly donate large amounts to charity but what I think people don't realise is that you're actually doing something very very different here so you you could turn charity in, in on its head. Completely. I hope you do because I think there's people have become um, disengaged with charity because of things like administration fees and, and the cost. In my, my, my money won't go to the people who actually need it. They're just putting you in a job. Yeah. Um, you know, the guys that knock on your door and so yeah. on are, are being paid to do so. So I really I think that that's a real um, point of difference for you and something that I hope that um, if we've got people listening today that may be able to help or know people who regularly support charities that they can get in contact with you and and we'll, we'll come back to how people get into contact with you at the end but we might just go back a step a little bit to that sort of money being a dirty word I mean tell me about how what, what you were taught about money growing up didn't talk about it. Ah, interesting. Okay. We didn't talk about money at the dinner table. I would yeah. not have a clue about my parents' financial situation. Wow, isn't that interesting? And how did you learn about money then? You're, you're, you're a single mum, so you've, you've had to learn th- some things, but you're also running a business. What has that meant for you financially? What have been the issues that you've had to address? Um, not having any money is an issue I've had to address several times <laughs> in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and I've always been able to earn money that's mm-hmm. something that's never been difficult for me to do because yeah. I believe that you I've never had the problem of worrying about what my job title was yes okay I think that work yeah in itself is good for your soul absolutely and it yeah. gives you a sense of achievement so yeah. I think get a job if that if that's what you need to do get yeah. a job yeah. I've said that the whole time through my business if I couldn't make my business succeed, yes. I would go get a job. Yeah, okay. It's just what, that should be your backup plan. So you're a doer and so that comes naturally for you to just identify that for you just to, to put, put food on the table and pay the bills, it's get out there and do something. Yeah. Some people aren't doers and, and that might be a challenge for them for, for whatever reason. But fundamentally, I guess we all need money, don't we, to, to make 
make pay our way, but also make our choices. We do, and I also read a was given a book a long, long time ago called mm-hmm. The Richest Man in Babylon. Oh yes, I love that book. It's a simple book if you don't read. Yeah. It's not yes, difficult absolutely. to read. It's small, yeah. and I actually gave that to that boy that asked me for the meal. Ah. And he now, one year later, yes, has saved money for yeah. the first time in his life. Yep. Wow, that's really powerful. It makes a huge difference just to pay yourself a little bit of money yes. that you don't touch. Yeah. And yeah. what you don't have, you don't miss. What you don't, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. You have what you don't miss. You're putting it away. It, it's really important. I missed asking you a couple of questions that I asked people in the beginning, but I'll go back to one of them that I think is really interesting. What's your money style? Are you a spender, saver, or an in-betweener? I'm an in-betweener. Mm. I consider myself someone that is quite frugal. Yes. I don't waste. I think that if you've got food in the fridge, don't go shopping. Yeah. <laughs> I only buy what I need. Yeah. So anything that's perishable. Yeah. I buy as I need it. Anything that I know I'm going to use that's not perishable, I only buy on special and in bulk. Yeah. So they're the things I do to make sure my money is conserved. So that's, you know, the the purpose of this podcast is really about money mindfulness and that's a classic example where someone's being very mindful about how they spend. It's relating to your weekly food shop um, but all these little mindful tips are, are what we want to sort of educate people on or inspire them to do because every little it makes a difference and we if anyone who follows me on social media or follows I amplify wealth will occasionally see a post that we repeat quite often which says eat what's in your fridge because it's one of oh, my bugbears yeah. <laughs> um it's one of my bugbears that you know people go in order to take away or they're tired or or they've you know they, whatever I'm not quite sure but they then go home and chuck out everything that they bought last week you know which is possible nowadays you, you can't go to Woolies without spending two or three hundred dollars so yeah. you know people are literally literally throwing their money away yes. and we're sitting here today talking to you about people who literally cannot afford to buy a meal. So, you know, sustainability comes up as a key, but it's also being mindful about what you're doing. And we've become a society that's very busy um, where we live in a wealthy country. We tap, we don't think anymore. We tap, 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 tap. And yet if we just sat down and and gave some thought to what's in our fridge, what's in our cupboard, what's in our wallet, um, we might make some, some clearer decisions on that. So, you know, thank you for sharing that. I think that's really really great advice is there any other money tips you'd like to share with us or concerns or issues or lessons oh there's so many too (laughs) many i think that again i think it's really important not to deprive yourself yeah i think when you have a mindset of deprivation Mm. you that's another roadblock that's going to prevent you from living your best life absolutely i People say to me, you're always on holidays. <laughs> I'm actually not always on holidays. It appears that I am because yeah. I travel a lot. Yeah. But while I'm travelling, I'm also working, working and looking at other things and how can I do things better. Yeah. But I also travel in a very, very economical way. Right, yes. I have a van. Yes, I've got your caravan. I've got my little A-van. Yep. Her name's Penny because Penny. she's worth every penny. Oh, beautiful. I love that. <laughs> and, you know, she doesn't have to be brand new. She no. was a, a, an ex-loved, ex-loved Penny. Penny. <laughs> and so you can travel very economically. There's yeah. free camps that you can do. Yeah. Make your meals. Take your food. Absolutely. You don't have to eat out all the time. Eat out as a treat. That's yeah. You're not depriving yourself. You're Absolutely. having something good. 
Yeah, more money mindful lessons, which yeah. is you've you've made a decision that travel's important to you, and whilst your budget may not support a luxury travel, it's not going to stop you doing it. You found a way to make sure that you're still travelling, yes, earning a living while you're doing it, and and enjoying it. I love the lesson about deprivation because I think that if we try and deprive ourselves of things, we want it more. So what often happens, and we see this um, a lot with clients, which is I've really tried very very hard to save, um, but I accidentally just had a bad day, and as a reward, I took myself to the shop and blew all those savings on five outfits I'm probably never going to wear. Um, that, that's a common sort of thing and, and people when they're not thinking or they don't have a goal don't realise that that money they've saved is for something specific. So are you someone who sets goals or, or even you know, minuscule savings goals? How does that work for you? Yeah, I, I definitely do. I keep myself on track. I review my budget every three months. Wow. That's something that I – because it changes. That's really disciplined, which is yeah, great. It yeah, does change. It does change. And my budget's not that complicated. It's a yeah. spreadsheet. You don't have to have a complicated budget. No, you don't. And it just keeps me on track and, again, back to that mindfulness of what I can and can't afford. Yeah. And I think that we have that – I'll say, I don't mind saying this, I'm a, an ex-smoker. Yes. I, when, I, when it came time to not smoking anymore, yes. the mindset was I'm going to become a non-smoker, I'm not quitting. Right. Because quitting is a negative concept. Ah, that's really clever. So you need to have positive mindset about what you're doing, not negative. So if you can turn it into a positive, not a negative. Yes. I'm becoming a non-smoker. I'm going to become a non-impulsive buyer. So, you know, that's great for the people that might catch themselves doing this is is how do I stop quitting that? I really love that, actually. That's really valuable. Yeah, interesting. And and I, again, it's it's great for you to look at your budget and, and look at what's coming up because I think, again, that little bit of planning, and it's not for everybody. I know some people really can't sit down and do this, but if even if you don't relate it to your budget, but you look at what's coming up in the next three months, what birthdays do I have? What social engagements? What bills do I need to pay? And is there something specific that I'm, I'm targeting in that time? It resets your focus, doesn't it? So yeah. rather than accidentally going out and, um, and, and going out to dinner twice that week, you might say, oh, goodness, this, this is coming up next in, yeah. in a month's time and I'm going to need to put aside for that. So I'll, 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 I'll cook in, I'll stay the night in or, or whatever you're going to do to, to reassign that money. Yeah. Yeah. And I think guilt because mm. if you go out and buy those three dresses, you're going yeah. to feel guilt. I know. That's just self-inflicted pain. Yeah, that's right. Don't do it to yourself, which no. is really hard. I think a lot of us are, are getting better at that and we, we talk about how to live your best life, which is, you know, relating your health and your wellness with your wealth. And I think we're all learning to be better. If, if you if you are triggered by a bad day and, you, you know, some people go and eat a packet of Tim Tams or a, a tub of ice cream, other people go and shop. Um, what is your trigger? And, and acknowledging and finding a new way to deal with it. So we're getting better at learning that maybe going for a walk or doing a meditation or reading a book or just changing it up is... Um, you know, going and seeking a friend is going to help you stop and think. And what we'd like people to do is to start doing that with their finances. You know, um, it's 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 a matter of just engaging your brain a little bit in the process yeah. around your money. And do you think like the ostrich with your head in the sand <laughs> thing, if you don't actually yeah. clarify your financial position? Because yeah. yeah. when you do, it gives you a, a clearer lens to look at your financial situation. And even if it's not that great, yeah. You can, you've still got something to work with at least. Absolutely. We, we, we talk about this a lot. It's never too late to start. Um, the worst thing you could do is never start, even if you feel that you, you've missed the boat or you, you, you're beyond a certain age that you might have thought 
that's your setting that time frame in your head. You know, we don't know how long we're on the planet for. We don't know what's around the corner that could bring true success. Money isn't a necessary success. I think most of us um, strive for a balanced, happy lifestyle and money can be an engager to that. But I think... Putting your head in the sand is a really interesting one because a lot of us feel like, well, we can never really get there, so why bother starting? And it's about sort of saying, well, actually, let's let's open up that dialogue and sort of maybe try. Um, what's the worst that can happen? That's right. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Look, I really have appreciated you coming in today. I think our discussion has been really um, thought-provoking for a lot of people. Certainly for me, you're an inspiring woman. I know you don't set out to be um, and you're a bit embarrassed by that, but I think what, what people can learn from you in, in summary is that no matter what life deals with you, um, you know, seek help, pick yourself up, move forward and that's something that you've always done well is keep on doing which I think is a really valuable lesson pay a bit of attention to things along the way you're you're a beautiful person who helps a lot of people and I think your charity is going to be an enormous success please reach out if you have any way that you can be involved with Kathy's charity can you share the ways that people can get in touch with you the best way is usually through Facebook or LinkedIn Kathy Goodwin C-A-T-H-Y-G-O-O-D-W-I-N. Fantastic. Easy. Yeah. And I'm very, very approachable. If someone reaches out, Absolutely. I will reply. Yeah, great. Excellent. Well, that's that's all we've got the time for today. Thanks very much for listening. Please reach out to Cathy if you think you can be involved or you need assistance. And remember to think before you spend. This podcast is for general information only. It contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision-making nor to be taken as a substitute for personal advice. Please contact Amplify Wealth Management to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. Money Mind. If you have any questions about your financial future, please head to amplifywealth.com.au. Money Mind is available to download and subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.